Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch. I'm Roy Holly, along with Alvin Bailey and our host, Kim Bellato. Kim, we have a great show lined up today. We have Dr. Tom Tunstall of the Institute for Economic Development at UTSA in the studio with us today. And you'll have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. Kim, before we bring Dr. Tunstall onto the show, let's talk about what's going on in Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine. Well, Roy and Alvin, you know, we're still working on our latest issue of Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine. And actually, the cover will be the chairman of the Railroad Commission, David Porter, who has been an excellent commissioner for the last six years. And uh, he is up for re-election. And we wanted to highlight to our readers uh, the great and phenomenal job that he has completed in this past six years. And I think the other reason why we wanted to put him on the cover was because, you know, in Texas, uh, we see all the time big government, federal government, uh, case in point, the export ban. Regulatory matters here in Texas, a regulatory framework matters. And um, there is no better person that gets that than Chairman Porter. And so this issue will highlight his success, his past track record to give the voters a better opportunity to get to know him the way uh, we have in the past couple of years of, of getting to know him through Shell Magazine. Well, I think the state of Texas is very fortunate to have Chairman Porter as one of the railroad commissioners. I totally agree. You know, at first, when I first met him, I didn't quite understand when he would say regulatory framework matters. And then I really started to think about what that was, what he was trying to say. And, uh, you know, following the crude ban and the natural export ban, as well as uh, the Iran deal and stuff. And you just really get an understanding that there's a lot to consider. You've got the environment to take into consideration as well as just a different regulation. And you really need a skilled person to uh, be looking at permits and leases and, uh, and making sure that operators are doing the right thing and protecting uh, the community. And so uh, the commissioners we have right now, uh, to me, are doing an excellent job. Back really to, you know, it. the, you know, regulatory framework matters. That's such a huge statement when you start unpacking it and looking at all the different aspects of how, you know, the, the regulatory systems put together in the state of Texas, and it just works. Right, right. But it also, um, you need the right kind of people in there, too. Something so, I like about all three of our commissioners are you know, they really do take a good hard look at regulation, but they need to be sensible regulations. Exactly. They need to be sensible for the people that live in the areas that the drilling's going on, and they also need to be sensible for the operators that are doing the drilling. You can't, you know, choke either party down to not being able to live their daily lives or do their daily business. You know, everything is together when you look at how people who live in a certain area that have the drilling they should be entitled to have safe roads and water and all the things that go along with just what we take for granted every day. But then you also have, well, how do we do uh, exploration? And there is going to be some headaches in the very beginning until we get everything structured. And then you also have, you know, anti 
fracking groups that are coming in and just kind of discussing things that are not always factual. And just really there's a lot of confusion right now in the market on what is happening. I mean, you know, the industry has just been hit hard by so many different regulations coming out from this administration. And we're talking about water issues and regulations. You're also talking about EPA, not to mention the price of a barrel is the lowest it's been in quite some time. So there's a lot that this industry is grappling with. And um, it's an interesting time to be uh, watching what's happening and how they're dealing with these processes. You didn't even bring up the fact that the industry gets propagandized by groups all over the country that can move lies around at the speed of light. Yeah. Oh, and yes. Thanks to uh, the Internet. And, you know, I think the other really interesting thing is how I'm amazed that these companies, even in their deepest, darkest hour with so many regulations upon them and all the different things that they're having to deal with, uh, layoffs and everything, and, you know, they're still giving back to the communities. We attended two golf tournaments that will be in Shell Magazine this next issue. Uh, they're still giving to charity. They have not cut those dollars. They still are putting on golf tournaments and chili cook-offs to still continue to provide relief to the charities in which they are working in those areas. Yeah, those companies, and uh, if you think about that, when you look at possibly other companies, when stocks are down, when times get hard, they cut everything out. And and the EMP companies, oil and gas uh, production companies, they're still committed in service companies to the communities. Well, they Amazing. still they still live and they still work in those communities, mm-hmm. you know. And and something else that's important to note is these companies are still innovating. They're still developing new technologies. They're still getting out and trying to do it right every single day. Right. You know, it's just a, a, a like I said, an interesting time. And the other really cool thing that we're working on is our state of energy and Corpus Christi. What a great event we had. Wasn't it amazing? Sold out. A great lineup of speakers. Uh, our keynote speaker in Canna, Natural Resources, um, just an amazing group of people that attended, businesses uh, coming in and wanting to learn about energy and how it affects them in the community and in the city of Corpus Christi. The mayor, Nelda Martinez, also was in attendance. So it was a great event, huge success for it being our inaugural event. Yeah, we've got a big surprise for folks that weren't able to make it to the luncheon. We have audio. That's right. We're going to be able to bring what happened at the State of Energy here in studio. So next show, we'll have the State of Energy of Corpus and all of the interviews. The State of Energy has been something that I've been wanting to do and been committed for like two years and just couldn't get it the time to get it done. And so I'm really happy that the Oil Patch Radio Show is going to be able to cover it. Well, and we're not going to give it all away, but uh, because you need to come to the State of Energy Luncheon in San Antonio, which is coming up. That's right. It's coming up December the 9th, and it's going to be in uh, the beautiful Pearl Stable we expect a sellout crowd as well. Um, we have some great speakers already lined up for this event. Uh, right now we have Senator Carlos Aristi coming to speak, as well as Vice President of Halliburton, Paul Shepard, and Chaotic Moon will also be there as well. So we have quite a few. Omar Garcia, the president of STEER, will have a really great lineup, just like Corpus Christi. You know, if, if, if you haven't been to many oil and gas meetings this year and you're thinking, you know, I probably should go to an oil and gas meeting to figure out what's going on in the industry right now. This is probably going to be one of the most important luncheons that you can attend this year. Let's take a second and talk about some of the great sponsors for the Corpus Show. Well, you know, Alvin, one of the one of the opportunities that we really wanted to take advantage of was partnering with a chamber. 
And the reason why that's important is because business chambers actually are bringing in the businesses, and a lot of them are not engaged in oil and gas. And really, the topic doesn't come up as much as it should and how it can correlate back to building your business. And so in Corpus, we definitely partnered with the Corpus Christi Chamber of Commerce, and they were truly the difference in making this event a sellout event. They got the businesses there to ask questions and to learn more about energy and how it relates back to Corpus Christi. But we also had other partners um, and uh, attendees, Valero, Sidco, Stripes, HEB, Wells Fargo, AEP of Texas, Andrew Distributing, Cats 21, Storm Services, and 107.3 Jake FM, plus our panelist and our keynote speaker, Incana, Chenier, Steer, um, were in attendance along with the Port of Corpus Christi and uh, Paula Wagner from the Energy CFO. She's been on the show a couple of times. Paula is a rock star in her field. I agree. So the San Antonio show is coming up. When is that going to be? Well, it's going to be December the 9th at Pearl Stables. It'll be a luncheon just like the one in Corpus, so it'll begin at 1130 sharp. And we're going to have you know great speakers like you mentioned. Omar will be there from uh, Steer, Halliburton, Senator Uresti. Yes, will be and, speaking. Yes, and Chaotic Moon as well. Tell you what, Kim, they're going to have a hard time. San Antonio's going to have a hard time beating the uh, the Ortiz Center. That is such a nice place. It really is. When you look out and you see the port as the backdrop, it sure is. But you know the Pearl Stables is also extremely beautiful on the inside as well. So December 9th, State of Energy Luncheon. If somebody wants more information on how to get tickets for it, they How can they go to that? two places. Shell Magazine, our Shell Mag website already has a link linking straight into the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, which is who we have partnered with for the San Antonio event, is the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So either go to the Chamber of Commerce website, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, or they can go to shellmag.com and look for the link, click it, and it'll take you straight to purchasing a ticket. The website is shellmag.com slash state dash energy to get more information. Well, Kim, it's going to be lots of fun, and I can't wait to be there. Uh, but right now, we do need to take a break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with Roy Holly and our host, Kim Bellotto, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest-working people on Earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com or call 210-240-7188. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will 
punish your work trucks day in and day out, and even your built Ford Tough trucks, well, they need to be serviced too. So, do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership, or do you call Teresa? You see, Bluebonnet Ford has Teresa. When you call Teresa, her team will pick up your Ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis. Most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days. That's the Bluebonnet difference. So don't let downtime cost you thousands. Call Teresa today and keep your fleet working. Here's the number, 210-643-4391. Again, write it down, 210-643-4391. Or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Bluebonnet Ford, a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. The inaugural State of Energy event is coming up on December 9th from 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Pearl Stables in San Antonio, Texas. The event is sponsored by Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine, Steer, and the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Our speaker lineup will include Halliburton, Senator Uresti, Omar Garcia of Steer, and more. Sponsorship packages and tickets can be purchased by contacting Blanca at the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Call 210-225-0462. Once again, that's 210-225-0462. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Again, my name's Alvin Bailey, along with Roy Holly and our host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, we've got a great guest in studio with us today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. Why don't you introduce Dr. Tunstall, and uh, let's have a great interview. That's right, Alvin. Dr. Tunstall, welcome back to In the Oil Patch radio show. Thanks, Kim. It's great to be here. Well, Dr. Tunstall... Can you explain a little bit about your background and the role that you have been playing with the oil and gas industry and some of the research that you've been doing? Sure. You know, we've been heavily involved in the activity in the Eagleford Shale. We've completed four economic impact reports of the activity there, the first one going back to 2011. And we've also done research on the Klein Shale out in West Texas. Hopefully, we'll uh, be doing some additional research. Uh, we'd like to do a study on the entire uh, Permian Basin, the uh, oil and gas activity uh, going on up there. So it's it's really, uh, you know, one of Commissioner Porter's uh, pet projects is the use of natural gas in general for other applications. We've done a study on uh, the grant program for refueling stations and vehicle conversions to natural gas. So just all sorts of energy-related uh, research, we've, uh, you know, that we've undertaken in, in the Eagleford. So Dr. Tunstall... Tell me where you work and the research that you've been conducting. Sure. I'm uh, the, the research director at University of Texas at San Antonio uh, Institute for Economic Development. It's one of uh, 11 programs there. Our group does the research, but uh, uh, there's also uh, an Eagleford Shale Community Development Program. We uh, manage the uh, Small Business Development Center network that stretches roughly from El Paso to Corpus Christi, 79 counties, and also uh, have a, a rural business program that works in that same geography, but with community leaders uh, as opposed to small businesses. Our operations actually extend uh, internationally uh, into Mexico, Latin America, South America. So just really uh, all sorts of activities related to economic development. But, but again, uh, we, my group does specifically the research. So, Dr. Tunstall, in the past you've done some research relating to oil and gas and some different areas of shell, different shell plays. Can you tell us a little bit about, you discussed Mexico and stuff. What are some of the past research projects that you've conducted with UTSA? Sure. We've completed four economic impact studies on the Eagleford Shale. Uh, We've completed one on the Klein Shale out in uh, West Texas a couple of years ago. And we've also produced a preliminary study on energy reform in Mexico, specifically focused on the prospects for shale development there. So Dr. Tunstall, 
Give us a reason why the Institute for Economic Development was started and how it affects the communities in which it serves. Sure. It's interestingly, uh, we just celebrated our 35th anniversary as as an entity. So we've been congratulations. Part, thanks. We've been part of UTSA for, for that long, and and UTSA isn't even uh, isn't quite yet 50 years old. So we've been a part of the university for for a long time. It started with the uh, Small Business Development Center Network, which uh, stretches from uh, a 79-county area from uh, El Paso to Corpus Christi, working with small businesses. But since then, it's expanded to include a a rural business program that covers the same geography. And now we work with other countries, Mexico, uh, countries in Latin America, South America, on developing a similar network of small business development centers in in those countries as well. Uh, We just recently signed a significant agreement with Chile, to set up, I believe, 45 centers there. And uh, Secretary of State uh, John Kerry was actually on hand to, uh, to, to launch the, the, the uh, or, or to make the announcement. I wanted to ask about the, uh, the economic impact study you did on the Eagle Ford Shale. And when you were doing that study, were there any indicators as to possibly us being where we are today? Well, no, there's no, in, I mean, the joke I like to make about the studies that we've done is that they're highly dependent on on the price of oil and uh, and, and gas for that matter, too. In fact, uh, the Euclid Shale actually started out as a natural gas play and things because natural gas prices bottomed out. Uh, I think it was in 2012 at, at two dollars per thousand cubic feet. All of the, the natural gas fields in the U.S. slowed down significantly, including the Eagleford. Happily, the Eagleford also contains significant amounts of condensate and oil. And since oil uh, at the time was selling for about $100 a barrel, uh, producers really just shifted their activity over to oil. And so as long as oil prices remained high, uh, we expected to continue to see activity. We just didn't realistically, we didn't expect oil prices to stay up above $100 a barrel forever, although there were predictions along those lines. So one of the things we've been doing is uh, counseling uh, with the communities in South Texas uh, many of whom hadn't been through one of these these kinds of oil booms before and really uh, made the case for them to steward their resources so that they could put together infrastructure and, and the kinds of things that will ensure long-term community sustainability in the eventuality of, of low oil prices, which, which of course, we've seen. Well, one of the jokes I used to like to make uh, and still do sometimes uh, when I'm talking is that, uh, you know, we, we use EIA estimates for the price of oil, uh, uh, which at the time were, were trending, suggested that oil would stay at $100 more or less indefinitely. We don't try to predict oil prices, but uh, if there's anybody in the audience that can do that with certitude, uh, I encourage them to see me afterwards. We'll make a lot of money. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Mexico. Let's begin with the energy reform, and then we'll move into some of the work you've been doing, research, and um, the busyness of what's occurring in mid and downstream right now. Okay. Well, and there's... Uh, a, a lot of interest in, in midstream in Mexico. Uh, in 2013 and 2014, the U.S. exported uh, over 650 billion cubic feet of natural gas to Mexico. Uh, and ironically, uh, the country sits on uh, shale gas reserves alone are over 500 trillion cubic feet. So they've just got huge quantities of yes. untapped natural gas. And that's one of the reasons, in fact, that uh, energy reform has been so crucial to, to Mexico. Uh, even oil, their traditional, uh, the commodity that they could always count on export for, uh, oil production in Mexico peaked in 2004 and has been declining steadily since then. If they hadn't undertaken energy reform, Mexico would likely have been looking at becoming an importer of oil in the not-too-distant future. And they have uh, huge untapped uh, uh, fields. Uh, deep water, has, has, they haven't even scratched the surface on. 
obviously shale, uh, no other country except the U.S. has, has uh, uh, tapped the shale oil that, that resources that they have. Uh, but even a lot of shallow, op- shallow water opportunities and onshore conventional opportunities in Mexico still remain in place. So there's, there's a huge potential for uh, Mexico uh, uh, on, on many levels. And this was historical because they had to change the Constitution in order to get this thing approved and restructure their whole entire uh, Constitution as well as their, a division of Pemex, which was part of the government, the Mexican government, that actually was responsible for all oil exploration. So this was definitely a large task. It also was um, a historic thing for them. Yeah. I mean, Mexico, uh, you're right, they, they were part of the government. So not only were they the monopoly oil producer, but they were also the de facto regulatory body in Mexico for 76 years. So all that's changed in terms of the Constitution. Implementation, you know, still remains something of an issue. The, the CNH, the uh, Hydrocarbon Commission in Mexico, the equivalent of the Railroad Commission in Texas, uh, is still ramping up. They're short-staffed and... Uh, as I said, because Pemex was the de facto regulatory body, uh, they're transitioning to becoming a private company, but they still have a lot of influence in Mexico. Uh, they're not just going away. And, and so one of the challenges for energy reform is, is will the regulatory agencies and the government of Mexico be able to uh, uh, you know, sort of rein in Pemex uh, from its traditional role where it, where it pretty much held sway over the entire uh, oil and gas industry? Dr. Tunstall, um, you completed some research uh, looking at what has changed in Mexico or the forecast with their uh, historical changes that have occurred with Mexico reform. Tell me a little bit about what does that look like or um, what is the significance, what is the significance to them? So far, we've released just a preliminary report on uh, the prospects for shale oil and gas development in Mexico. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is uh, things have progressed more slowly than uh, than really anybody expected. Uh, us, the Mexican government, the analysts, uh, and that's because of the, of the price, yeah, the, the global price of oil dropping so significantly. So to date, the uh, there's been a round zero in which Pemex was awarded acreage and they got a lot of what they asked for, but not all of it. Uh, and then uh, round one, which has been open to private companies, there have been uh, two tenders so far. The first one occurred uh, two or three months ago, uh, was not very successful. Half the bid blocks didn't even receive a bid, and only two were accepted, actually accepted by the Mexican government. Um, and so I, I think they took that lesson to heart. It was heart. a little bit disappointing. Oh, absolutely. The numbers. Uh, yeah, uh, I think very, very disappointing. And, and so uh, as a result, uh, the uh, government liberalized the terms and and uh, made them more attractive. And, and this time around, uh, they awarded three out of the five blocks. So they certainly uh, uh, seem to have made progress. There's another uh, tender coming up this year uh, related to onshore conventional, uh, but uh, the uh, the parts that we're interested or the part that we're interested in specifically the shale uh, opportunities, unconventional opportunities, uh, those blocks won't come up forbid until next year, uh, along with the, uh, the deep water blocks. As Were the well. lack of bids a product of the price of current price of oil? Well, uh, that certainly contributed to the reluctance of private companies to bid on, on them. But, but also I, I think the mindset of the Mexican government was still stuck in hundred dollar oil prices. And so they were reluctant to, 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 to make the terms attractive enough to bring in 
prospective bidders at forty-five to fifty-dollar barrel for a while, which is where it was trading when they had those when, when they had the round one, uh, the round first tender of round one. Is there enough heavy crude in Mexico to let OPEC keep theirs? Mexico only. I I don't know that that's the case, uh, and it's going to take a while for them to ramp production up to do that. But uh, if you were to include Canada into that mix, then the answer is uh, uh, unequivocally yes. Canada has one hundred and seventy-five billion barrels of estimated reserves, or I'm sorry, proven reserves. Uh, that's uh, third after only Saudi Arabia and Venezuela. So uh, if you take Canada, the U.S., and Mexico together, uh, NAFTA countries could essentially uh, uh, stop buying oil from any other producer if they wanted to. And those are proved reserves, not theoretical reserves. Right, which is one of the reasons, uh, you know, the, uh, I think the Keystone XL pipeline has been of, a lot, been of significant interest to a lot of folks just from an energy, energy security standpoint. Um, you know, processing Canadian oil as opposed to Venezuelan oil or Saudi Arabian oil or, or whatever. Now, w- with Saudi Arabia, uh, there are some issues associated with that because they've they've actually invested in refinery capacity in the U.S. So they're they're uh, you know going to almost certainly continue to do so. But uh, but you know maybe other countries that aren't aren't uh, so friendly to the U.S. Uh, you know we, we 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 could displace that oil. So if we want to get a copy of your report, where would we go to to do some research? Yeah, and I apologize for the lengthy uh, uh, website address, but it's uh, if you go to CCBR, as in the Center for Community Business Research, dot IED, Texas, T-E-X-A-S, dot org, uh, our research is there. Or you could Google the uh, UTSA Institute for Economic Development. Again, that's CCBR, dot IED, T-E-X-A-S dot O-R-G. And, and again, if you Google UTSA Institute for Economic Development, uh, you can find us there very quickly. Dr. Tunsil, I'd like to thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. It's nice to have a local professional economist come in and talk in studio to us and give us critical updates on areas that affect us so much. Thank you, and we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. My pleasure, Kim. Thanks for having me. Dr. Tunstall, thank you for being a part of the show today, and uh, congratulations because you get to be the topic of today's trivia question. If you're the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com, you'll win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. And Roy, you can't email the answer to this one this week. Somebody else has to win this week. I know I tried last week, but you wouldn't let me, because that's a nice restaurant. That's right, Alvin and Roy. Today's trivia question, Dr. Tunstall holds what position for the Institute of Economic Development at UTSA? Please email your response to radio at shellmag.com. That's radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. And remember, the first correct email wins a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in beautiful Houston. And that about does it for this week's In the Oil Pen. For Ken Bellato and Alvin Bailey, I'm Roy Holly. So long. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.